Welcome to Backroom Talk. And we are talking accumulation and intensification today. Accumulation is a phase of training where you're building something. What is the biggest mistake you see in implementation of accumulation and intensification? And Health or just like fitness for life. What are the goals in accumulation and what are the goals in intensification? To listen to more Backroom Talk, be sure to subscribe. Learn to design personalized programs with the OPEX system of coaching by heading to opexfit.com. Welcome to another episode of Backroom Talk, guys. I'm Georgia, here with Carl, and we are talking accumulation and intensification today. Yeah, we are. Um, yeah, as it relates to exercise. As it relates to exercise. Uh, we filmed a LearnRx class on this yesterday, actually, so you guys will see that, that coming out in uh, a couple of months. But we just wanted to have a little bit more of a jam on the topic, talk about some common mistakes in implementation of these training phases, uh, you know, make sure you guys fully understand the principles and just allow a little bit more conversation around it. Uh, but do make sure you keep your eye out for that, uh, for that LearnRx class. Uh, and if you're not in LearnRx already, go ahead and get in there. Uh, you can start with uh, that monthly subscription. You can cancel any time, not that we want you to cancel, but it's a really low barrier way to try out OPEX education and get access to a brand new class every single week, plus some really cool programs and some forums and some webinars and a bunch of other stuff. Sometimes more than one class a week. Yeah, yeah. we had we had a double week of classes last week because we had a Spanish class in there yeah. as well, which is yeah. pretty cool. We got some Spanish educators uh, in the platform. Yeah, definitely. So let's let's dive into what the heck is accumulation and what the heck is intensification. Yeah, so start us off with accumulation, Carl. What is it? Um, accumulation is a phase of training where you're building something. Uh, you're doing a lot of work and, and you're trying to accomplish the goal of getting better at something as it relates to what you're trying to get better at. Um, that was very broad intentionally. Now it's like talk about some specific examples. Um, you have someone that is brand new to fitness, right? You take them through accumulation phases. The goal is probably to learn all of these new movements and patterns and exercises that they've never done before. Um, so we just call that like motor control, right? So they're learning to move. Uh, you have someone that is an athlete and whatever they're an athlete in. Uh, they need to build a really good base uh, so they can go into other phases of training and eventually compete. Um, we'll dig into some performance aspects as it relates to accumulation intensification in a little bit, but um, sometimes they're building that. Uh, sometimes people are building on skills or learning new skills. All that stuff happens in accumulation phases. So characteristics of accumulation phases are um, you're doing a lot of work. So work is reps. You're doing a lot of reps. Uh, you're putting a lot of time under the bar or uh, under the dumbbell or whatever the heck you're using, um, or you're doing a lot of body weight exercises and you're just uh, accumulating a lot of time under tension there. Absolutely. Uh, and it always starts with accumulation. Have you ever sat down to program for a client, like first time laying out a long-term training plan and not started with accumulation? Uh, no, but, it, but the reason for that is whenever I've ever worked with a new client for the very first time, I'm always thinking about uh, how do they respond and adapt to things. Um, and accumulation phases are a great opportunity to learn that because you can like, you know, uh, sub-maximally dose them uh, to start off and then you can increase that dosing over a few weeks and you can kind of just like see in the training program what they're responding well to, what they're not responding well to, if they're able to recover from that high dosing of work that you're giving them. Um, so yeah, mostly because of that, um, just because accumulation phases are really good opportunities to just give people a bunch of work. Absolutely. And I mean, when we think about the type of work that's being done in accumulation, you already hit on some of it, Carl, but, uh, when we think about resistance and what is happening in resistance training, it's typically higher volume. So higher reps, higher time under tension. And because of that higher volume, lower intensity, that intensity comes later in that intensification phase. In energy systems training, we're doing aerobic work, 
not anaerobic work, even for our athletes. Most of them are staying away from anaerobic stuff in uh, energy systems. And with that aerobic work, it's going to be longer, slower paced, possibly cyclical, possibly mixed modal, depending on who the individual is and what they're capable of. But uh, definitely like longer, slower map work for accumulation. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, when, when we get like, uh, when we start talking about what is high volume versus low volume, um, again, that's that's also extremely relative, right? Because you can take someone that's been training for a long period of time and you can give them, you know, eight sets of five reps, right? Um, so that's fairly high volume-ish for some people, uh, depending on the load that's on the bar. It could be fairly intense for some people, but for an ad advanced individual, that could be an accumulation phase. For someone that's an intermediate, you can lay that same program out and that, that same program is uh, an intensification phase. So um, yeah, you start to get, it starts to get nuanced when you start to look at uh, individual considerations yeah. of accumulation and intensification. For sure, uh, just on the volume point as well, like let's say we have one person that is developing motor control. Uh, they need to develop great control in the squat pattern in that accumulation phase. And then we have another person and we're trying to build some strength endurance in the squat pattern volume is going to look different for those people because for our um, novice who's working on motor control in that squat pattern, we don't want to go so high volume that we start seeing this breakdown of that pattern itself. We want them to learn the movement with relatively low fatigue to really build efficiency there and not be falling forward and knees collapsing and all these things that might begin to happen as we really push the limits with strength endurance. So uh, yeah, just different different application of volume depending on who the person is. Yeah, and, and volume, and like when you think about volume independently, it could be misleading because how do we calculate volume? We go reps and sets and we look at the total amount of work that we, that we accomplished, but uh, three reps at a five one five one tempo times three sets is a lot different than three reps at a two zero x one tempo times three sets right so we also have to look at those things because the the former could look really low volume but when you look at the time under tension it's extremely high so you could give someone you know three to six reps at a really really slow tempo and still be in accumulation and still be uh, learning uh, that that motor pattern, right? So volume could be a little bit misleading when we just look at sets and reps independently. Absolutely. It's a good reason to look at time under tension as a whole uh, versus just reps and sets. So that's accumulation. Uh, let's talk about intensification. So give us a broad definition of intensification, Carl. Yeah, just flip side, right? So uh, you said in resistance, it's um, it's it's higher volume. Uh, it's It's lower intensity. With intensification, it's lower volume and higher intensity uh, in resistance training. In energy systems training, it's uh, faster, faster paces, um, and you're doing, you're doing. I don't want to say lower volumes because you could still do a lot of volume with intense pacing, but the total amount of time that you're doing that high volume has to be shorter, just because you, where are you going to fit it in, right? Um, so that's what it would look like in energy systems training. But the, the goal of in intensification is just to maximally up express something, whether that's uh, lifting weights or whether that's, you know, cycling at a faster rate than you did in accumulation. It's just that's that opportunity to maximally or sub-maximally express whatever that thing is that you're doing. And it's the work that you've put in in accumulation that allows you to be able to then go forth and do that in intensification. So we can't just say all right, this person has never, you know, worked on their deadlift before. And now we really want them to lift heavy because we're in intensification. The work that was done in accumulation of that deadlift has to be supportive. They have to have built the volume in accumulation to then, I guess, earn the right, for lack of a better expression, to express it with intensity in intensification. Yep. All right. Any other broad principles of accumulation versus intensification? Um. No, nothing. Uh, nothing comes to mind that we that we missed in that. Okay. Like big, big principles that we missed there. Let's uh, let's hit training age considerations next. So, how much time people are spending in accumulation versus intensification, whether they're novice, intermediate, advanced, and so on. Yeah, um, we've said this a lot, but yeah, novice are just uh, they're doing a lot of accumulation, 
and we'll talk about why when we talk about the goals of uh, or the goals that can fit inside of each cycle but uh, novice trainees are doing a lot of accumulation uh, intermediate trainees are doing a mixture of both uh, accumulation intensification and then advanced trainees are doing a lot of accumulation with uh, uh, little dosings of, of intensification so it looks the same as the the novice, the novice and the advanced look the same, but the intentions behind why they look the same are, are different, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, uh, if we're to hit intentions on the novice versus the advanced and why one is uh, one looks like the other, but for different reasons, the novice is spending a ton of time in accumulation because they only need to develop motor control. Like that's our number one limitation. And we don't develop that in, we don't develop it that in intensification it just wouldn't make sense right mm -hmm. that person hasn't worked through and progressed those patterns to the point where they can actually express maximal contractions they've still got a lot of work to do in control in strength endurance before they get there so it just doesn't make sense for them to take patterns into intensification because they simply can't express it yeah and when you look at the a b's and c's the training program looks completely different as well so uh don't be confused just because we're saying they're doing the same types of cycles doesn't mean what's inside of those cycles is the same. Uh, you would you would know right away looking at a novice uh, lower body training session or full body training session versus an advanced lower body or full body training session. Uh, for example, you have the novice, um, they're doing some type of squat pattern. Um, so let's say that they're doing a, let's say they're, let's say they're okay, right? Like they're, they're kind of, uh, they've, They've worked with a barbell. Um, they move pretty well with a barbell, but they still need to ingrain that pattern. They might be doing a front squat, right? And they're doing that front squat at the example that I laid out earlier, right? They're doing six reps times three sets at a five, one, not five, one, five, one. That's just a crazy, that's just crazy. Let's go five, one, X, one tempo. Um, and that's their A. And then you look at an advanced trainee, they're doing six reps uh, of a front squat. And they're doing that at a, let's just say it's a 3-0-X-1 tempo, and they're doing it for six to eight sets. Um, that just, you just look at those two things, and they're just clearly different, right? The intentions inside of those A's and the backs or in the front squats are just completely different. So when you look at those training programs, it's, it's really obvious if you've uh, experienced uh, either one of those scenarios or if you've coached the novice and the advanced, it's really obvious which one is which when you look at the program. Absolutely. And the reason why our advanced trainee would spend such a short period of time in, in intensification is because they can light that light bulb, as James Fitzgerald would say, so bright, right? They're able to dig so deep and intensification periods are quite taxing for them relative to a novice client. So they need more time spent in accumulation uh, to kind of, I guess, for lack of a better word, recover from that. Yeah, definitely. Look at, uh, you know, the the conjugate method of training. That's why, that's not the only reason, but that was a reason why that that uh, method exists. That's a that's a reason why that method exists because uh, it's understood that you know a, an advanced trainee can't do four max effort days, uh, you know, for a long period of time and be able to recover from that. Right. So the way that that training method is laid out, it's like you're doing an upper and a lower max effort day and you're out, right? Like at day, not even day, exercise and you're out and that's all you're doing per week. And you can do that sustainably for a long period of time because you're not doing a lot of intense volume. You're just kind of like dosing it a couple times a week. Uh, if you take an intensification phase and you're doing that four or five or six times a week for six, eight weeks, man, like you're just going to be pretty beat up. Um, and you see it in that, in that strength world as well, where, you know, when people go heavy for a long period of time, um, you know, 24 months out of the year, uh, 20 of those months, they're in intensification phases. They're going to feel that at the end of those 24 months. Absolutely. So, uh, I asked you earlier, Carl, uh, what is the biggest mistake you see in implementation of accumulation and intensification? And you've seen a lot of program designs and a lot of long-term plans are uh, from coaches inside of the coaching certificate program. You've, you know, mentored a lot of coaches in your gyms and over the years, uh, and you've written a lot of programs yourself. So the thing that you said to me was doing it for the sake of doing it. What did you mean by that? Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, 
people like when 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 some coaches hear like what we laid out earlier of like you know uh beginners do a bunch of uh, accumulation um sometimes when you look at those programs from some coaches and the intentions are really good but they they just don't have a goal behind it they're just like i'm doing accumulation because that's a principle right but we have to think a little bit deeper than that we have to think of you know what's inside of that accumulation phase um so is the goal to learn movement patterns have they already gotten that down but they're still a beginner is the goal to uh, extend that out and challenge those movement patterns we would just call that like strength endurance work is the goal to put on muscle mass is the goal to just expose them to this work like what's the goal um, so I think that that's a that's a huge mistake that we see or not even a mistake just an oversight that we usually see it's just like I'm doing tens because that's what I see right I'm doing two zero x one and I'm doing that times ten and I'm doing it for three sets because that's pretty safe, right? There's a lot of validity behind what I just laid out. And like a lot of, uh, a lot of beginner training programs are actually look like that. Cause it's like, you know, that shit works. Right. Um, but without any intentions behind it or any reasons behind why you're doing it, you're just giving people random stuff, even though you think it isn't individualized. Yeah. I think a good way to overcome that and just to kind of check yourself on it is actually in the process uh, when you're working inside of coach RX. So we know that we identify priorities for our clients. That's one of the first steps that we take uh, as we are going through that assessment consultation process. Before we actually go to planning and periodization, we take some time and we uh, lay out what are our priorities for our clients based on their goals, based on their capabilities, what we've seen in assessment and so on. So you have those client priorities, right? You're not going to be addressing all of those client priorities all the time at the same time. You just cannot. Like there are going to be times where some things have to go on the back burner and you have to, for lack of a better expression, prioritize your priorities. Mm -hmm. We also have cycle priorities. So when we go in to lay out periodization and we put in that accumulation phase followed by that intensification phase, as we're in that stage uh, writing out that plan, we have the opportunity to say, okay, what priorities are we bringing into this cycle? And make sure that they're there as a reminder every time we go and visit that long-term plan. So I think just taking that extra step before actually saying, okay, they're in accumulation and then like going into the program and writing your 10s and 12s and doing it and actually saying, why are they in accumulation? What are we trying to achieve with this accumulation cycle? will go a long way to help coaches uh, just keep themselves on track there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that would, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that keeps a lot of people honest and it, uh, it creates really good efficiencies from week to week because you know why you're doing what you're doing and you're not like getting halfway through the cycle and thinking, what was the game plan here? Um, I took them from tens to sixes. What do I do now? Um, so yeah, just going through that process, like you mentioned, is, uh, is super it's super helpful uh, for a lot of coaches, not only to wrap their brains around what they're doing in, in the, on the front end, but to keep them on track throughout the entire program. Yeah. And it can feel like more work, right? Like sometimes you just want to dive into writing out your Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, week one for that client. Uh, and it is an extra step to take the time to write that down and focus at the beginning of every cycle. But you gain that time as the weeks progress uh, in not having to like sit there and, think to yourself what was I trying to achieve mm -hmm. when I wrote out this uh this progression so uh even if it does take an extra five ten minutes on the front end I do believe coaches will get that back as they go through that training cycle with that client yeah and as you get those reps in as a coach you can get a little more um you can get a little more creative as you get down the road right so it's it might be for some coaches it's like you know um my priorities are you know motor control and these patterns and uh move every day like that might be their their goals or their priorities for that entire cycle um and then with that same client they're like three years down the road and they're just like my goals are uh you know uh challenging these patterns so it's like motor control now it's like challenging these patterns and i'm going to do that through this method and then you could talk about like or you could just like type out uh, i'm going to do you know clusters and lower body and then uh, I'm just going to do straight sets and upper body. And then in my map work, I'm just going to do some cyclical intervals on these days. Um, and this is my build or this is what I, you know what I mean? So it's like you can get a little more creative or more specific 
in that as you get used to it. But I think a lot of coaches fall short because they try to get really creative and specific in the planning phase from day one before they're even used to doing it. Um, and they're just like, well, it takes me like 20 minutes to, to plan a training cycle for someone. It's like, just keep it super simple. Like do like do that planning, have that planning, um, in as like a, a part of your process for a year before you do anything with it. Right. Just have it in as a process and put two points and then go and, and write training programs. And then once you're really used to that, and that's now taking you 60 seconds per client, because it should take you 60 seconds if you're writing two points, uh, you know, then get a little more creative and nuanced there. It all comes in time. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So it's not just accumulation and intensification <clears throat> and like there's one way of applying it. We also have to think about goals and what we're trying to work on with that client because depending on what that client's like stated goal is, i.e. not just the like cycle priorities or the goal of the cycle that you laid out, but what they actually want to get out of their fitness, mm -hmm. that's going to determine uh, in large part how you end up implementing accumulation and intensification. And there are a few goals where we actually end up breaking some of the rules of accumulation and intensification because of the nature of a sport or achieving a certain outcome. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of those common goals, uh, starting with health. Yeah, let's, uh, I think it'd be interesting if we kind of laid out for each one of these specific goals, like what would an accumulation phase look like for them? And what would an intensification phase look like for them? Kind of talk through it to make sure people that, that are listening could are following along so not getting too nuanced but just like some some cycle priorities that could sit inside of each one of those kind of like we what we just talked about sounds good so so health it would just be like we would call this person let's not even talk about training age here across these let's just say um all of these goals they've uh they're they're intermediates right or they're they're good they're not like still learning movement and, mm -hmm. and all of that so let's just call it like health or just like fitness for life what are the goals in accumulation and what are the goals in intensification if they're not actually training for anything yeah they're just like training to train because they love it uh, and they want to do it for the rest of their lives accumulation phases we're just we're just getting in reps that's it right like we're getting in reps and you could get you can get fairly because remember we're talking about someone that um we're talking about someone that has done this for a little bit, right? So in conversations with these people, you can start talking about progression, right? Like what does progression actually mean? And you're having conversations with them and you're like, hey, remember when we first started this thing and we were going like 12s for a couple of weeks and then we're doing 10s for a couple of weeks and then we're doing 8s for a couple of weeks and then we would go back up to 12s for a couple of and And you can kind of like talk them through that. Like you remember how we were kind of just progressing and it was like there was a lot of uh uh you know notes that were like beat last week do this do that and it was so intensity or load specific with these people you can start to really teach them um a lot of really good things in resistance training as it as it uh, relates to progression because it's like remember we used to talk about the you know going weight weight up weight up weight up weight up now it's like let's just talk about how we feel these contractions so you can honestly just take a program that you did with this person four years ago retake them through that program and instead of saying like i want you to beat last week i want you to build and load you have like conversations with them inside of that program about how you want this contraction to feel uh different from last week and you like give them some uh some room to play with right where it's like with this person you can now talk about hey we're doing 10 to 12s and we're doing four sets right I want two sets to be at 12 and then I want you to challenge yourself to a point in your last two sets where you're not able to hit 12. So I want to go 10 to 11, right? This is the idea of rep ranges. When we give someone rep ranges, uh, the idea is that they challenge themselves so they don't reach the upper echelon of that range every single set. Then why are we giving them that? For someone that is like a newbie that has never trained before, you can't really do that, right? Like you almost have to, there's like training wheels on that person. So accumulation phases, I, that was a really long explanation. I'm sorry, Georgia. But accumulation phases for that person, you could just be thinking about doing the exact same things that you did before, but it's just like there's there's a lot more learning that's occurring and back and forth and like connecting them to the training program and talking about contractions and how it feels and uh, 
you know, we're doing weighted dips. If it feels really good on weighted and the contraction feels nice and tough, let's just stay on weighted. And if it starts to feel uh, too easy, let's add a little bit of, of, of load and kind of self-regulate that stuff. Um, so that would be, I don't know. I know that was a long one, but that's like an example. That was the first thing that came to my mind of like uh, how we can take a, a general health individual through uh, accumulation phases. Yeah, I love uh, the way you lay that out and the idea of using it as an opportunity to teach them more of the nuance of progression because as you said, the goal of this accumulation phase for this general health person is just to do a lot of reps, mm -hmm. right? So they could be doing something that they've done before in the past. Uh, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of like crazy fancy nuance in the program design. We just want them to be exposed to relatively high volume of their patterns yep. but at the same time how do we make it i don't want to say novel but how do we make it engaging for that mm -hmm. person we use that opportunity to educate and to really buy them into uh that that process of progression uh to yeah just make the process a little more fun for them yeah and we we have to bring some realities to that person right it's like we we know this because we've done fitness for a really long time and we've coached a bunch of people but um our like our our bodies don't know how much weight we have on a bar right like early on i think it's important to connect to uh, uh like a linear progression and overloading through weight specifically um but it's a good opportunity to teach them about like physiology and how our bodies respond to tough contractions and what the heck is a tough contraction right like what is a tough tensile contraction it is independent of intensity intensity can get us there a little easier if we don't really know how to contract a muscle or we don't know how to like push through a back squat or something like that um, but there's when we start talking about progression and progressing from week to week to week there's a lot of little nuances inside of that thing where the weight can stay exactly the same. The reps can stay exactly the same. The sets can stay exactly the same. And just the, the thought and what's happening inside of the brain as someone goes through a movement can actually change the contraction itself, right? And this is probably erring on the side of like a super advanced individual and having this conversation with them. But that's a really long road, right? Because if someone's only connected to intensity and they're just training for life, they might get bored where they're just like, hey, I hit this, I'm, I'm, I hit a roadblock, right? I can't go over 200 pounds on my bench press. Am I just not going to ever get better in the push pattern? It's like, no, 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 no. Like there's, there's a lot of nuance inside of that and a lot of nuance inside of progression. And it's a good opportunity to, to uh, have a con conversation with them. Absolutely. I mean, it can be a little disillusioning when you are used to being a novice and knowing that you can be doing tens and literally adding weight every single week uh, throughout that cycle and seeing progression and intensity. But as someone hits that intermediate phase, it can be tougher to actually progress intensity from week to week because they're getting closer to their potential. So they might not be able to do that. But if you can make the goal of the session about that learning process and again, intention of progression being about how something feels more than the external load that's on the bar, it's a really good opportunity to open their mind to the idea we don't have to put more load on to get better every yeah. single week. The other kind of cool thing about accumulation for health, um, knowing that we're not working towards like being able to do one specific movement. There's not like a certain amount of skills that this person needs to be able to express in intensification or in competition, whereas that might be the case for someone that is training for a very specific performance event is that you have so much opportunity to play with odd objects and different pieces of equipment to, again, again continue to get reps and challenge that movement pattern. But knowing that, again, we're not going after like a one rep max clean and snatch, so we don't have to be doing work on that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I just think accumulation is a cool opportunity to get to play with a big variety of uh, different exercises connected to a specific movement pattern. Yeah. So learning, right? That's what we just talked about for the past five minutes is all learning for the fitness for life individual and intensification. What, what does that look like? I think that's an opportunity to, uh, create some really good physical challenges, right? So, uh, learning is definitely a challenge, right? There's some challenges that happen in accumulation phases, but 
learning through heavy loads, uh, heavier loads relatively um, in these intensification phases with these fitness for life people, um, with those people, uh, with with that client. Um, I think that's that, that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's like, you know, expressing the things that, that they did learn in those accumulation phases and doing that over and over and over and over again. And uh, those phases look different and, you know, the set rep structure could be different and the exercise selection could be different, but the similarities is, are that you're challenging them through those pieces. We didn't hit on aerobic work and uh, accumulation, but um, just like we talked about at the beginning, they're doing really long aerobic pieces. They're learning their pacing and, and all of that. And when they get to intensification, they're just doing faster aerobic work. That's it. Yeah. So so time spent spent per set in the gym doing aerobic work is just less, um, you know, and you can, you know, if you're, if you're doing walks and accumulation six days a week, you know, maybe you're only walking three days a week, those same like prescribed walks three days a week. And you're doing like some, uh, you know, 30, 30 run, run walk intervals with them in, uh, intensification. Definitely. I mean, recovery starts to, I guess, be highlighted. It's always important. We always want to be talking about what, uh, clients are doing outside of the gym to support what they're doing in the gym and to support their goals but you really see that play out in intensification if someone isn't sleeping well if someone is not getting their sun exposure doing their daily movement you know drinking enough water it's going to become more obvious Mm -hmm. as we start to increase the physical challenges so increasing intensity in aerobic work trying to come in and like hit a heavy three on that front squat today that work doesn't lie. Like if that person is not prioritizing recovery, it's going to become evident uh, in this time period. It's not to say that you shouldn't have been focused on that in accumulation with that client. You absolutely should have, but it also can be a really good time just to sit down and remind them of the importance of uh, the basic lifestyle guidelines and why we need to have all of these pieces inside if we want to thrive through our uh, training sessions. Yep. And uh, for some individuals, intensification in this, uh, in this, in this uh, health and vitality uh, avatar piece, intensification will actually feel like uh, almost like they're because they are doing less, and you're not pushing them to them to the limits where you're like, we're doing 95%, we're doing 92.5%, because it's like that doesn't actually matter. It would probably be more on like the you know, eight minute running clock, just build to a tough sumo deadlift, right, for the day and wrap it up, no fails. Uh, I don't, I don't want any grinding. It's just tough, right? Um, they may, they may actually feel a lot more recovered because they're not doing as much volume and they're not pushing intensity to a level where they're hurting themselves or their nervous systems are just so absolutely taxed. But with these people, um, I, I just think it's, I think we can fall into the, I think we can fall into building intensification phases for these people like we would build them for the performance person sure. where everything has to be dialed in, where everything has to be like, we need to do this today and then we need to progress on it next week and then we need to do this and we need to do that. Um, these intensification phases are like, hey, these are these are your capabilities. I want you to push those strength capabilities a little bit, but I don't want you to try to like supersede them, Right. If you hit like an all-time record in a back squat, cool, but that's not a big deal. That's not why we're doing these intensification phases. We just want to challenge your system. That's it, and wrap it up so you're you you you're still healthy and vital, and you can go and like play with the kids or the grandkids or whatever that case is, right? Because we're not pushing exercise to a point that it's taking away from their life. Because if we're doing that, they're not the health and vitality or the fitness for life person. So as a coach, I think it's really, really easy, and I've definitely done it a bunch of times, to program intensification phases for these people like you would for someone that they, they really need to be dialed in. So just keep asking yourself, is this taking away from life for them? Like is gym is going into the gym the priority on this day because we're in this intensification phase and they need to have gotten nine hours of sleep last night for this back squat uh, program to go exactly as planned? If you're thinking about those things with this this avatar, they're either not that avatar and they're just you're lying to yourself or they're lying to you or you're just giving them the wrong program. That's a great reminder. Um, on that note, because uh, a lot of the times when we start to wrap our heads around periodization and accumulation and intensification, 
we our head does go to the performance model, right? It's where a lot of these principles were initially drawn out of. Uh, and there's always like in that world, there's some event or some test that is being prepared and worked towards. For our general health person, in accumulation versus intensification, where would you fit in things like fitness monitoring exercises? And would you hit on them for everyone or not? Uh, no, not for everyone. Um, if there was a reason to do so, I would. Um, some reasons that come to mind, uh, I'm not sure where they sit, right? I'm not sure where they sit and I'm curious and I really just want to know. Um, you know, so I, I plug in something where I'm like, okay, you know, can they, can they hit these like uh, prerequisites that are like principles right can they hit them can they not does it matter if they do does it matter if they're if they if they can't um you'll have some health clients that are just interested like they're they're almost like geeky around this stuff right like even right now i coach a couple of coaches uh that have been through ccp or that are going through ccp and they're just super interested in understanding uh those principles on themselves right so for those people, I'm like, I, I just, I did it this morning. I like uh, programmed uh, a week for someone that uh, we put like, I think like four FMEs in a week, right? And she's, uh, she's, she's health, right? But like, she's in that phase where she just like really wants to connect the dots and all that stuff. So there's like context in the program and stuff like that. Uh, but, but for someone that I just, I'm, I'm worried about them just like feeling really good and fitness not taking away from their lives. I'm, I'm probably not giving them a bunch of tests and FMEs and stuff like that um, without reason. Uh, and the only reason that really comes to mind is just like if a coach is unsure where they sit and there's a reason to know where they sit or they're like, do I give them this exercise? And I need to know where they sit because I want to give them the right things that they're capable of. Um, but if they're working with that person in person, <laughs> you don't really need to do that, right? Like you just mess around with exercise selection. You're like, well, that doesn't work. Let's change that up. And uh, we'll kind of hold that one in our back pocket and work toward that. Or we don't ever need to do that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it fits for everyone. I don't think everyone needs to do that stuff. Yeah, agreed. And I think the important lesson in there is uh, decoupling the idea of intensification and testing. And yeah, yeah. not thinking that, okay, just because we're going through this intensification cycle means that we have to lead to this test or event at the mm -hmm. end that we're building up towards. It can just be about getting that tough dose, that challenge, and then moving on from it. Yeah. And even like, because uh, you mentioned the, the performance model and, and how, you know, a lot of principles are, uh, are, are taken from that performance model, but not, not in anything that we've talked about today yet, right? Like we're just talking about... Um, just some outcomes that we want to get from these phases, right? We want to learn an accumulation, whatever the heck that means for that client. And we want to challenge an intensification, whatever that means for that client, right? Like <laughs> those aren't like principles, right? Those are just like, uh, those are thoughts, but I think those are some pretty good thoughts that can, you know, go across all of your, your health clients. And, um, yeah, as long as you're doing those two things and those, and those two different cycles, I think you're on the right path. Let's uh, change gears a little bit from health and let's talk about some performance factors. So strength. If the goal is to improve maximum strength, what does accumulation look like and what does intensification look like? Yeah, it's funny because the first thing I came to mind, I'm like, well, this one's a lot easier of a conversation than the health client, right? Uh, because there's objectivity here, right? That's, that's why I think you brought up the FME thing, even with the health client, like as... I don't know. A lot of coaches, we have that, that objective brain where we're like, we need to know where we are. We need to know what we're working toward. We need to know if what we're doing is working or not. Um, with the health client, that's tough, right? It's like, what are you working for? Vitality, right? Get some blood work drawn every quarter. Are those getting better? Cool. Keep doing what you're doing. If they're not, what, what do you need to adjust? Probably nothing in the exercise program. It's probably in lifestyle. We get to strength we're looking at uh, strength markers, right? I want to get strong in this. It's like, okay, that's the objective measure. Um, accumulation is to prepare them to do the intense work, to be able to recover from the intense work, um, to be able to not get in injured from doing the intense work, to make sure that they have great patterning through that intense work. Um, so accumulation preps them 
for intensification to maximally express whatever they're trying to get strong at. Pretty simple, right? Uh, yeah, I think so, right? So accumulation and intensification is definitely needed for someone that's trying to get stronger. Um, they'll have seasons of each, right? Uh, if you're, if you're, and I'm not going to call this person a strength athlete because we're not putting this under uh, performance per se, like you're competing in something. It's just someone that is super interested in just getting stronger. Uh, they can't just be getting stronger all the time, right? You can't be in intensification all the time. You're going to burn out, right? There's some good, uh, there's some good things and just going through some reps and learning patterns. There's some good things and building some muscle mass in those accumulation phases. There's some good things and building, you know, uh, robust and resilient tendons, ligaments, and joints and accumulation to set you up for intensification. So accumulation for these people is just preparing them for intensification and to get stronger in those intensification phases. Pretty straightforward. I think so. Exactly what goes inside of that depends on the individual, depends mm-hmm. on their training age, depends on their limitations. Yep. So uh, it is a really important situation where we have to identify, okay, we want them to get stronger in their back squat. What is limiting them from being stronger in their back squat right now? And make sure that we're looking after those things in accumulation for that person. Um, but beyond that, it's it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Most people, the funny thing is most people that are, because I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say most people that are exercising are novice individuals. So most novice individuals shouldn't even be thinking about their program making them stronger. Their program should just make them stronger because they're doing it, right? (laughs) So uh, for you novice individuals that are listening or coaches that are coaching novice individuals, um, because their goal is strength doesn't mean they need to do intensification. They're going to get stronger in those accumulation phases and that learning phase. They're going to learn to be strong. Um, so I think that's something that's really important, uh, to point out. And that's a mistake that, that I actually see a lot in, in, uh, in case studies is, uh, you know, uh, coaches walking through, uh, you know, I, I, I watched the video, they're doing their movement screen, you know, done beautifully. Coach does the recap. Uh, you know, this is where they were initial consultation noticings were X, Y, Z movement analysis, noticings were X, Y, Z, everything's good. And then when they get to, now this is what I'm going to do. Uh, it's like, ah, no, that's that's wrong, right? Because they're just like, because their goal, their stated goal was I want to get stronger, uh, which that's a lot of people's goal, right? Actually, uh, it's like I want to look better. I want to get stronger. So the coach thinks, okay, I need to, I need to put in some intensification here, right? So they talk themselves into this person being like a intermediate or uh, kind of tinkering with uh, advanced. So they're just like okay, we need to get to intensification as quickly as possible. Uh, so that, that would be, a, that would be a, a mistake that we see quite often. Gosh, I feel like the goal of getting to intensification as quickly as possible is completely counterintuitive to uh, what it should be, which is let's spend the time we need to in accumulation to get us ready for intensification. And uh, yeah, just not rush that process. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Definitely. So that's strength. That's our uh, that's our strength folk. Any anything else to add there? Nope. Super easy to get strong. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you stronger, Carl? Um. Yeah. You know, I just don't want to be. Sorry. That I, was so I just rude. don't want to be. I'm I'm uh I'm strong enough. Oh, quickly. Uh, while we're on strength. Well, no, no, no. Let's stick here. Okay. You're supposed to say yeah. You are. Yeah, you're strong. you're really strong. Carl. Okay, thanks. You you did uh do those uh three fifteen deadlifts on uh, camera the other day that was pretty strong well don't say without a warm-up people are thinking oh 315 i know i know you can deadlift a lot more than that uh i actually haven't deadlifted more than 315 in a long time well you did that cold so i'm pretty impressed yeah there we go that's my goal there we go impress georgia um on while we're on strength energy systems training for the strength athlete so someone that wants to get as strong as possible there are some good benefits of doing slower aerobic work um from a recovery perspective for someone that's wanting to get strong but when are you doing that um i guess it depends on what they're doing uh for their slower aerobic work right um if you're if you're someone that's trying to get stronger and you're thinking about is walking going to take away from my squat session tomorrow uh shit like you probably need to do some more fitness in your life and uh put off getting stronger for a little bit 
because you're probably uh, either extremely out of shape um, or you're a newbie that just hasn't moved your body at all, right? So um, I don't think it really matters when we're talking about long aerobic work like walking or, you know, spinning on a on a bike for 60 minutes while listening to an, uh, an audio book or something like that. Um, that's the only, like, if the goal was to get as strong as possible, um, gosh, there's, you, you can do, you can like go down the map continuum and you could do that without it affecting your strength. But, um, you'd have to be really dialed in, in terms of understanding, uh, what appropriate paces are. Um, so you just need to check yourself on how hard you're going. Uh, so if you're doing like the 30 thirties, for instance, like we talked about yesterday, um, if you're doing 30, 30 intervals and your, you know, uh, goal is to get as strong as possible, you really need to check yourself and, and leave your ego at the door, uh, when it comes to the paces that you choose to go with for those 30, 30 intervals. Cause if you actually go at a pace that is sustainable for that amount of time, um, it's, you're, you're going to be okay, right? Like you're not going to, uh, be laid up for two days after that, or it's not going to affect your, uh, squat, squat, um, session in three days if you hit that appropriately, but it all depends on experience. If that person's doing 30, 30, 30, 30 intervals, that means they have a lot of experience in aerobic work and they understand their paces and, uh, they've gone through that progression, uh, probably more than once. So, um, yeah, I'd err on the side of caution though. And as a coach and giving people aerobic work, if they don't really like that faster aerobic work, if they don't really need it and the goal is to get as strong as possible, just do some map 10. Yeah. Cool. And that can fit at anywhere inside of accumulation mm -hmm. and intensification. Yeah. And there's some great recovery benefits of doing it. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go uh, hypertrophy. So if the goal is hypertrophy, accumulation, intensification, what does it look like? Uh, I don't know, everything that we just talked about, but uh, flip it upside down. Yep. So uh, you're doing a lot of accumulation. Uh, so you're doing a lot of reps. Uh, tension is really high. Contractions are the focus. Uh, intensity on the bar or whatever you're lifting isn't doesn't really matter as long as the contraction happens and you have that, that, uh, that tension uh, at a muscular level. That's all that really matters. Uh, you're going to need breaks from that. Um, you're going to need breaks to recover. Um, so, you know, intensification phases for that person, uh, could, could act as a break, right? Kind of what we just talked about, uh, intensification phases could also act like, uh, act as a mechanism to get a little bit stronger. Um, so you can come back if, if load and intensity is, is really important to you and you're really thinking about that stuff and you do care what's on the bar when you're doing your you know, 12s in the bench press or 12s in the dumbbell bench press. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just there as a intensification is there as a, a mechanism to recover a little bit, take some, uh, take some tension away from the joints, uh, for an amount of time or to, uh, actually focus on getting a little bit stronger before you go back into your accumulation phase. Makes sense. Yeah. Tension is the tension's the focus there. Yeah. And, uh, we achieve that through accumulation. Yeah. Have some good, uh, have some good lifestyle practices, eat enough food and, uh, you can't, can't grow muscle if, you, if you're not eating enough and, uh, make sure tension is really high and you're overloading that tension on a week to week basis. Absolutely. So it's another example of looking at the goal as well as obviously looking at the person's training, aging capabilities. If we said this person who wants to gain lean mass is an intermediate, just because they're an intermediate doesn't mean they're going to spend four weeks in accumulation, four weeks in intensification, flip flop it back and forth. Mm -hmm. They're likely spending a more significant time in accumulation because their goal is hypertrophy with little doses of intensification here and there as needed Yep. with different in intent than that person who's trying to get strong. Yeah. Yeah. Hypertrophy is interesting because when we start to look at the, when we start to look at uh, what causes the most amount of hypertrophy in terms of, even like the, the, the frequency of exercise or the amount of sets or the amount of reps that we're doing, um, it is so relative to, to training age because um, intensity starts to matter as you get higher up there on that uh, in, in training age because it's very tough to progressively overload uh, as an advanced individual doing 15s, right? That's, that's pretty challenging. Um, and, you know, 
once we it's it's tough to really understand the difference between am I building the highest amounts of hypertrophy or am I just working on like strength or muscle endurance? Um, so it's, it's really, it's really beneficial to understand that you can actually be in an intensification phase and get bigger, right? So, um, that would be called functional hypertrophy, right? So functional is I'm getting stronger. Um, hypertrophy is my muscles are growing. So that's, that's the idea behind like the, you know, four to sixes for a lot of sets, uh, time under tension, fairly high. So we're at like a three O or four O X one or something like that. So, um, you can actually get bigger in intensification while using some pretty heavy loads. So that's important to understand as well. It's not just like you're doing tens or you're doing twos. Um, You can kind of meet in the middle and kind of find the a good intermediary where you're getting stronger and bigger at the same time. Yeah. And again, that intensification and the implementation of it in reps and sets is relative to what that person's goal is. Mm -hmm. Finally, let's talk a little more about performance. Uh, So functional fitness, first of all. Now, the goal of functional fitness and like what that individual needs to be able to do when they step out on the competition floor is pretty different to uh, the nature of like any other sport, right? Uh, They need to be able to do a lot of work in as short a period as time, uh, in short a period of time as possible. And so how we get there through accumulation and intensification is kind of backwards to what our principles would say. Yeah, so um, it would still be the idea of like learning and expressing, but the way that the expressing is happening is backwards, right? So um, I wouldn't even call it intensification for for this individual, right? Because they're they're just, <laughs> they're doing a lot of volume. They're just like stacking volume in intensification and they're doing it at a, a higher intent. Um, so for this person, let's say there's just so many things to think about, right? Like there's energy systems training, there's uh, weight lifting, there's, um, there's gymnastics. There's a lot of things that we have to think about, but let's just think about it from a level of, uh, of what we've been talking about already. So in accumulation, uh, resistance, tension is really high in resistance, right? Uh, still some learning happening, still some, uh, GPP occurring, um, gymnastics would fall into that as well. Right. So a lot of skills are being built in, uh, in scenarios where, you know, there's not a lot of uh, metabolic fatigue. There's still mechanical fatigue, but not a lot of metabolic fatigue. Um, energy systems are doing long. They're learning how to breathe. Um, they're doing some mixed work. They're doing some cyclical work. Uh, they're identifying what their weaknesses are, and they're doing a little bit more of that to shore up those weaknesses. They start to transition to intensification. Uh, now they're just doing things more intense, right? So uh, where weightlifting was like, very controlled in accumulation and they weren't really focusing on doing that weightlifting under fatigue. Now they might be thinking about, uh, you know, lifting, you know, heavier loads over and over and over and having to put their hands on their knees halfway through and then going back and finishing that, that weightlifting piece. Um, they might be thinking about super, super intense complexes that are happening inside of that intensification phase as it relates to weightlifting the gymnastic stuff that they, that they were doing, they were doing it, uh, with no metabolic fatigue, just mechanical fatigue. Now in intensification, they're doing it with metabolic and, uh, mechanical fatigue. And they're trying, they're sprinkling in things that, uh, might pop up that would really, really challenge that thing. So, you know, they're doing not only handstand walks on Mondays and handstand pushups on Wednesdays, but now they're doing pieces with like assault biking, handstand walking, uh, and handstand pushups all in a piece and they're doing that for an AMRAP and they're just wiped out at the end of that AMRAP um, and energy systems training um, whereas before they were you know a little bit longer uh, a little bit more controlled practicing breathing coordinating all the different things um, uh, physiologically now in intensification they're doing that energy systems training um, and they're doing it at a much more intense uh, they're, they're in a much more intense scenario or environment and they're adding in more intense movements. Loads start to get higher inside of those, those, uh, energy systems pieces. 
some rules are broken, right? Where they wouldn't do this otherwise. They now they have to get ready for competition, so they're doing um, they're they're pairing movements that don't really go together and and are uh, causing some of the same fatigue that we we're talking about in the uh, gymnastics development and stuff like that. So volume doesn't necessarily go down in intensification. Volume is just kind of compacted together, and they're doing it all at the same time. So resistance would follow right so like back squatting and stuff like that they would still back squat uh at higher intensities and lower volumes uh they might be doing that in a and then in c they might be doing like this back squatting battery piece where they're doing like 50 reps at 225 and then a bunch of muscle ups and then 30 reps at 275 and a bunch of muscle ups you know what i'm saying so um those those very specific resistance pieces might go down in volume and increase in intensity, uh, but they're definitely making up for it in energy systems training or those like battery scenarios. Absolutely. So where we can kind of contrast like more traditional accumulation into into intensification as the challenge that's being introduced in intensification, like purely being intensity, i.e., higher load, lower volume. Now we're asking this functional fitness athlete in their intensification to maintain or perhaps still increase intensity uh, in the traditional sense in load, but also just uh, ramp up intensity of work being done um, mm-hmm. and do more work in less time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's uh, the volume curve is actually on the upswing as the intensity curve is on the upswing as well. So, you know, in a traditional model, the volume curve would be going down as you get to the right and the intensity curve would be going up. Um, <laughs> This is actually, everything's going up. So volume is slowly going up and intensity is continuing to go up. If we lay this thing out for like 32 weeks, you would kind of see that curve happen and, you know, going from accumulation to intensification. For sure. So that's our functional fitness athlete. Uh, Similar kind of breaking of the rules happens in the endurance world uh, where we have a marathon runner or a triathlete or someone who has to go long and slow for a very long distance uh what is accumulation and intensification for those folks yeah definitely uh resistance is almost moot for these people um uh, resistance doesn't really matter that much uh once especially once you get into an intensification um and yeah i think this is like almost in its truest tense uh sense because intensity actually is the thing that increases so let's just call it like race pacing or threshold. They're just working at, uh, at, at closer levels to that for long periods of time. So you're not taking a, you're not, you're not taking a marathon runner from map 10 to map one and then sending them off to do a marathon after they just went through 30 thirties, right? You're actually going the other way. Um, you're going, and I don't want to call it map cause it's not a map progression, but you're going the other way in time and intensity is also increasing so that curve that we just laid out for the functional fitness athlete it would be it would be very similar for the marathoner right as volume starting to increase and they're putting in more miles intensity or pushing threshold uh for that amount of time is is increasing as well um so yeah because we're talking to a bunch of coaches whose bias is the gym and often lifting weights in the gym and resistance for that endurance athlete, uh, for things like injury prevention, uh, are they doing resistance training and accumulation and then leaving that behind as they enter that intensification uh, phase? Yeah, maybe. Uh, the, the truth is, though, it's like resistance training isn't going to make someone really good at running, right? Um I think a really good way to look at it is does the event or the sport look like anything that happens in the gym? If it doesn't, the gym is actually not that beneficial. Um, is it beneficial? And let, let's let's kind of play this out, out a little bit. So let's say a sport that I'm extremely familiar with, football, right? What can we do in football? What can we do in the gym that makes us better at football? Right. The gym could help us get a little bit bigger. The gym could help us get a little bit stronger. So we're pushing like, you know, grown men down or trying to tackle them. The gym can help. Um, when I'm when not not I'm because I don't play football. But if someone's like running and, and they're running a route and they're like cutting and they're looking and they're catching a ball. What can we do in the gym to make them better at that? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Right. So um, 
But what about the agility ladder, Carl? Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> the agility ladder doesn't happen in the gym. That's not. This yeah, that's not. Yeah, we're not lifting the agility ladder. The agility ladder is. Uh, I think it's something that's really beneficial to make people aware of how to be fast, like uh, how to have quick feet. Sure. Uh, doesn't have a lot of carryover to the field, but there's some validity in it. Uh, it's not good when we think the agility ladder is going to make us more agile, right? Because what makes us more agile, it's uh, acceleration, deceleration, and the ability to blend those two things and do them really quickly. Um, the agility ladder can make us really aware of, you know, how to use our feet and rhythm and stuff like that. The agility ladder is like dancing, essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think people just need to look at what I'm doing for my sport or whatever that looks like. What am I, how does what I'm doing in the gym actually help that? And some of the best athletes that you'll ever meet in any discipline are not weight room warriors. They're just not. They're just extremely skilled at that thing that they do. Our bias is to think about like, but how can we make it a little better, right? Uh, but the reality is it, it doesn't really make them better. So for endurance athletes, it's the same thing, especially when we're talking about endurance athletes that aren't like climbing up things or, you know what I mean? Like they're just running uh, like a marathoner. Um, show me the best marathoner in the world and then show me every exercise or every training session that they've ever done. We're going to be extremely unimpressed with that training program, but they're the best marathoner in the world. Um, so for that person, if we're looking at like, if we're looking at like an injury prevention and stuff like that, uh, they probably just need to, uh, practice running in like their gait and stuff like that a little bit more. Uh, but there are some things that we can put in to, uh, satisfy those needs <laughs> or to like make them think that we're setting them up for better success, uh, on the road or wherever they're running, but. Oof, make them think that burned. Yeah, I know. I know. That I mean, that's deep. yeah, it's, it's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just look at the best in the world at whatever, and the the reality is the gym didn't get them there. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, well, I guess uh, I'm not gonna say let's leave it at that. Let's leave it on a <laughs> on a, on a higher note. So, well, I don't think that's a low note. I think that is a high note for someone that's like. Uh, aspiring to be really great yeah. at something to, to know that they don't have to put, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours in the gym, put hours and hours and hours in whatever that thing is that you're doing. Absolutely. You know, it's like taking a, a pianist and saying like, we need, to, we need to work on finger strength and scapular stability. So, you know what I mean? It's like, like we laugh at that, but it's like, yeah, just go and play the piano more. Um, it's, and I, I know your My Siri, your Siri doesn't understand doesn't what I'm saying, like that. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think it's a, uh, obviously it's different than a physical activity, like a marathon, but, um, it's the same thing. Same, yeah. same idea, same There's idea. A Get lot it. of freedom in that. Yeah. So, uh, just to tie it up, I, I want to come back to the idea of individualization and accumulation versus intensification, because again, we've got these two ideas. We look at volume and intensity, and I think where people go wrong is that they just forget that it depends right mm -hmm. it uh it depends on the person in front of you how you put into practice accumulation is going to depend on where that person is and through the examples we've discussed over the last hour i hope that's highlighted that how you implement intensification and what makes something intense for an individual is going to depend on who they are and what their goals are and uh i think we just we gotta remember that stuff I agree. Yeah. I'm with you on that. That's a higher note. That is a higher note. Yeah. So uh, individualize, guys. And if you don't know how to do it, we can help you with that in CCP. We can, damn it. Yeah. yeah we, can. <laughs> we can help you with yeah. that. Yeah. No, but but to be real, and Carl mentioned uh, the case studies that he's graded. Uh, he's talking about the CCP case study. So when coaching certificate program coaches graduate, they don't just like take a multiple choice quiz and we give them the stamp of approval. They do case studies. We want them to actually coach individuals. And part of that coaching process is laying out periodization, planning blocks of training, accumulation, intensification, and so on. And then getting feedback. Communicating with clients, Commun taking them through assessments and all of the good yeah, stuff. Yeah. Recapping that thing and uh, 
Yeah, just getting real. You can't hide behind a computer screen when you have to do that stuff. No, you can't. And uh, it can be a little scary sometimes. To, and it requires some vulnerability on the part of the coach to put that forward. But that's where we grow. We grow by asking questions, by trying things out, and by getting feedback from mentors. So if you're interested in uh, putting together some case studies and becoming a CCP coach, We'd love to have you in our next cohort. Uh, we'll drop a link to be able to apply and have a conversation to get all your questions answered. And uh, Carl will hope to be marking your case studies soon. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of something. Uh, I'm trying to think of something special. I, I, I feel like I've done this a couple times. I'm like, if you join CCP, we will blank. Yeah. What are you? What are you willing to, to we give away? We will teach you individual design. We better will, than any other company in the entire world if you sign up for CCP. We can promise that. Yeah, okay. Let's do that. I feel good about that. All right. All right, guys. Well, we'll leave it there. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.